you will, open your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. There are some old faces that are dear, dear friends, and there are new faces uh, that is a joy to meet and to talk with. Brother Russell had already mentioned, Brother Conrad had connected the two of us right there outside of the sanctuary. I want you to come meet somebody, he told me. And we've been friends ever since. Um, They had one, Rebecca, and we had Rebecca and Joshua. And we could cram into that little parsonage or to our little house and we could get in one van and travel anywhere and then we started having a few more so then we had to take two vans yeah and the bowl the bowl is a whole different story the bowl yeah Joshua was sick and had thrown up up until the day, a couple days before, and he had stopped. And we were both called by Jeff Johnson to come up to Conway and preach up there. And uh, Melissa asked, you know, should I bring the bowl? And I was like, he's not going to need the bowl. He hasn't thrown up in 24 hours. We're good. Let's go. Get this thing packed up. Come on. We have to leave. Well, long about Arkansas, I was glad she did not listen to me. (laughs) And we don't have that kind of relationship anyway, but uh, it's good to listen to your wives, man. Yeah, I learned that. We're not even going to go into that one. I learned that from Brother Conrad. He told us, listen to your wives. Uh, It is a good thing to do so. I thank the Lord for... All the beauty of this group here uh, that have all these years taken us in as one of their own. And it's more than home, it's family. Uh, It's a joy to see our family. Um, My sweet wife always gives me commentaries and sermons as we sit together I don't get to do that often because I'm always preaching, but if we go somewhere and she's sitting, I'm sitting with her and we're listening to a sermon, she'll turn to a verse and she'll show it to me. And today she showed this when John was preaching from uh, 2 John. Apostle, and I know what he's talking about here. He's talking about the children in the faith. He says in verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. I don't know when all these things happen. It's just God dealing. But he has saved all our children. (laughs) I feel like Brother Gilbert. Brother Gilbert said, I just woke up and they were they were saved that night. They were all this turmoil was happening while I was asleep, and God was saving this one and we were saving that one. And He said, "I just wake up to great news," and that's what it seems like. You know, the days pass. 
I'm almost finished with this, but the days pass very quickly. It just seems like yesterday. So let me give you this encouragement, you young moms, dads, embrace the moment because the next day it'll be gone. Whatever God's put you in, you may not even have children. Embrace the moment because you have a sovereign God who knows just what is needed for you. And He has you in His hands. He'll never let you go. He's not like Allstate. He will never let you go. And He just blesses you immensely. Trust Him. The providence of God is the most wonderful aspect of the Godhead. That He works in us every day, every moment. So embrace whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself. You might be at a desk, you might be in a ditch, but embrace that. The only one we hope that doesn't happen with is people like John. I don't want the state trooper embracing his job. (laughs) We were coming home one night just a couple months ago. It's good to know people. And uh, I was on the, on the phone with Joshua, who was coming home from a preaching meeting down in Simsport with Brother Gilbert. And there's a place in our road coming up that it switches from 65 to 55, and it goes around this big right-hand turn, and John's buddies always sit right there in that median. I don't think I've ever seen John there. <laughs> but I know they sit there, and I know you better drop it down to 55. Well, this night I wasn't paying attention. I was still maintaining the same speed and got around the turn, and there's the vehicle. Lights come on. Like, well, I'm going to have to let you go. (laughs) I'm fixing to be pulled over. So the uh, state trooper pulled me over, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and finally I hear over the loudspeaker, driver, step in the back. And I step back there, and it's a woman. You say that like a bad thing. No, no. I told Melissa when I got back in, I've never said this about a police officer, but I think I could have taken her. <laughs> John didn't think so. I probably couldn't. Uh, but she said, how come you're going so fast? And I said, I really just lost track. I didn't realize, I forgot that it switches. And she looked at the sticker on the back of our vehicle. It's the boot of Louisiana. It's only given out to the families. Is that correct? Of state troopers. She goes, who do you know who's a state trooper? And I said, it's John Axum. He's my son-in-law. She said, have a nice day. (laughs) The best conversation I've ever had with a state trooper except my son-in-law. And I looked at that verse and thinking there as we were waiting to be called. You know, it's a hard thing, Brother Johnny, when you got a message burning in your soul to sit there and wait all that time. And I got up this morning thinking, well, I'm going to be first out of the box. I know how he does this. And, well, you know, let your elders do what they're going to do. But I'm, I'm thinking...
We should all have stickers. Right, right. Well, you have that mark, you know, and uh, everybody talks about 666, and there is a manuscript that has 661. I don't know what we're going to do with that, but it's an earlier manuscript, and so that lends a little more weight. But there's another mark, and it's the very next verse, and it's the mark that the Lord gives on his people. Same language. Why aren't we talking about that mark? Sealed by the Holy Spirit. When I'm sitting there thinking of that verse that Melissa showed me, and here I have my Mm son-in-law given the word. Uh, I don't know why God has been so gracious. He's given us these wonderful children. He's given us the best son-in-law. I don't have any more, but... (laughs) He's top shelf, and he's given my favorite daughter-in-law, and she's so beautiful, and she's given us these grandchildren. God has been so good. And all we can do is just thank him for what he has done. Well, enough of that. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for the warm embrace. Thank you for the good food and I'm aware of the time, and I'm aware of the smell of the food in there. Uh, so let's get with it. First John chapter 1, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. We spoke last night of the majesty of Jesus Christ. I want to speak this morning concerning the word of life, who is Jesus Christ. He is the better. He's the better hope. He is the better testament. He is the better promise. He is the better substance, the better resurrection, the better priest, the better offerings. He is supremely better. He is superior. He is preeminent. Above all things, all things is for Him. It's of Him, it's from Him, it's for Him. Everything. Think about this. This is why you should embrace where you're at and what your hands have to do, what you're being given to do, where you're at in life. Is that all of it's for the King. You know, we don't have that kind of understanding about kingship and kingdoms because we live in a republic. We the people. Or at least we used to. But the beauty about the king was he owned everything. And whatever you did, you did for the king. Well, this is for the king of glory. 
The point in these four verses is a message that John says, we declare unto you, or we proclaim unto you the word of life. It's interesting the way that John uses this word, word. He uses it in speaking in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of life. That's who he is. But it also speaks of the word that was spoken of God that we spoke of last night. God spoke. And then he last spoke in these last days through his son, by his son. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of life. In looking at this, we see basically two aspects of this subject, the word of life. And the first is that it, he is declared. He is proclaimed. And then secondly, it's concerning him. It's a declaration of the word of life and is what concerns the word of life. That is our message. This declaring, he says, he begins, he says, what was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, verse 1. This indicates that there has never been a change or an altering of. He's not talking about the beginning of creation and time and space and matter and human history. What he's talking about is the beginning, the beginning. It's an interesting aspect of, the, of God. God has never existed. You exist because there was a moment in which you had not been but now you are. You were born. And mama and daddy told you about when you were born and that day and maybe what had transpired and what happened. We have stories of all six of our children of that day they were born. They came into existence. But God has never existed. He is. For him to exist would mean that he would have a beginning. So in a sense, there is no existence of God. He is. This is why he tells Moses, I am that I am. And this is what is said in the Gospel of John concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. There are seven sayings of I am. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the door. I am the great shepherd. It's all these sayings declaring who Jesus Christ is. And here John starts differently. He says, that which was from the beginning. Meaning, there was no point of existence. But this is really the permanent and unalterable State that has always been. He is eternal. This is the eternality of God. This is the way in which he speaks of it. Paul warns in Galatians 1, immediately as he comes into the epistle, he says, you need to be careful not 
to go after this other gospel, which isn't a gospel at all. How have you gone after it so quickly? If any angel from heaven, or even we come preaching another gospel, let it be anathema. Let him be cursed. Why? Because it comes to the very issue and the very point of who God is. God is immutable. He is unchanging. There is never a point in which God gets better. He is always what He is. Always has been. He is the perfect. He is the complete. So, this refers to this aspect of the deity of Christ, the preeminence of Christ, the uh, before He comes as man, Christ, second person of the Trinity. But then He says, which we heard. Now this is the Apostle John. We heard Him speak. No man spoke like this man. Spoke with authority. He didn't speak like the Pharisees spoke. We heard Him. Which we've seen with our eyes. Which we looked upon. Our hands have handled. All of that refers to the historical aspect. He came into this world. Emmanuel. God with us. They observed everything. They saw him. This was no, in other words, no mystical phantom. This was no spiritual vision of Christ. This is God in human flesh. Stepping into history that he created. This is the eternal coming into time. Isn't that an amazing thought? Philosophers could in no way handle that. There's a big issue that's uh, come about uh, that Jeff Johnson has written on. He's writing another book on um, dealing with the um, Godhead. And they're, they're wanting to follow after Thomas Aquinas, who was a Roman Catholic uh, scholar, theologian who got his philosophy of God from Aristotle. Not a Christian. We're going to take what a man who knows not God and take that as what is our thinking on God? That's a wrong-headed thing to do for a Christian. Where do we get what we know of God? Where do, we, where do we go to understand who God is and what He is? Brothers holding up the Bible. You remember what I told you in the beginning last night? Your final authority, if you are a believer, a Christian, your final authority is the Word of God. 
There is nothing else. John says, we heard him, we saw him, we beheld him. It's interesting, he says that we saw, we looked upon, or we beheld. That second thing stated there is that which is looking at in such a way to examine. It's to behold. In other words, they saw him not just come on the scene, as John the Baptist did, and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But this is more than that. This is, we saw him cast out demons. We watched him calm the sea. What kind of man is this? Who is this? They examined all that he was doing. And this is what John is referring to. We heard him, we saw him, we beheld him, or we looked upon him, and our hands handled. Now, this is an important aspect. He had a body just like you. Conrad wrote an article called and preached a um, sermon by means of death. This is the old King James concerning Hebrews about the death of Christ. And we have lots of songs about the blood of Christ. And we talk about the blood of Christ as being something that was special, like above what our blood is like. But that takes away the trueness of his humanity. He is truly God and he is truly man. He is not half and half. He is truly God and he is truly man. He is as truly man as you are. His blood was just like yours. Why do I emphasize that? Why does the scripture emphasize the bodily resurrection of Christ? Why did Jesus say to them, touch my hands, touch my side? Because there's something important there. You and I have to have someone who is like us in order to be a mediator between us and God. Without the humanity of Christ. I sat in a seminary class and I listened to the theology teacher go through uh, the first class of theology. And the day before he talked of the deity of Christ, this day he was talking of the humanity Christ. And all those Southern Baptists were at arms because they pictured something that was different than they always heard. They had never heard that Christ was human, apparently. And he pointed out verse after verse after verse after verse, did a phenomenal job of laying out who Jesus Christ is. Truly God, truly man. John is saying here, this is no mystical spiritual vision. This is no phantom. This is real man come in the flesh, born of woman, And we observed all his daily actions and and words and all that he did, all that he said. 
They watched him intently. They saw the amazing, stunning realities of the man of God, the God-man, walking among them. But there's two words here that really bring us to the heart of the matter. And that you see in verse 2, it says, the life was manifested. They said, we've seen it. We bear witness of it and show. And that word show really is the word for proclaim, declare, preach. He was manifested. You can underline that word. He was preached. We preach him. Paul says we preach Christ and Christ crucified. This is not speculation on our part. This is not human thought or idea or philosophy. He has been manifested. That means he has been revealed. Who revealed him? Well, Aristotle did not. Plato did not. None of the philosophers did. No man ever revealed Jesus Christ. God revealed him. So this is not anything less than the revelation of God. And it makes it worth saying. It's what makes preaching, preaching. John doesn't give any salutation just like the writer of Hebrews did. He doesn't tell who is writing. His name is not mentioned here at all. He doesn't tell who he's writing to. He just jumps right into, just like the writer in Hebrews, I cannot contain myself, he's saying. I need to show you Christ. I need to preach Him. Why is this the urgency of excitement? A message, a proclamation. Is it something he's just been contemplating in his mind and thinking about and he's uh, philosophizing about? No. This is a man who has a dogmatic message. We have a dogmatic message. Not because we have an opinion. But because we have the Word of God, He has manifested Christ. He has revealed the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Him in human flesh. It is all we have to talk about. The gospel comes as a declaration, a proclamation with the authority of God because it's His message, it's His revelation. These two always go together. Manifestation or revelation and the proclamation, the declaration, the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador was one who came with the message of the king. And when he came and had that seal on that that we talked about with Caesar's stamp, and he would say, hear ye, hear ye, whatever language, 
This is what Caesar has to say, and he had all the authority of the emperor. Imagine that. This is Christ. This is our gospel. This is our message, John is saying. We have all the authority of God to give this to you. And so he is dogmatic in everything that he says. People don't like that. You can be dogmatic in whatever opinion you want. But when it comes to what God has declared, man in his sinful darkness will not stand for it. This is why the gospel begins, Paul says in Romans 1, 18, with the wrath of God. The wrath of God is revealed on those who are ungodly, unrighteous, suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. It's their sin. Man's whole problem is his sin. And here's the issue. It's not so much that man hates God. That's not the problem. The problem is that God hates the workers of iniquity. Try putting that message on CNN. Try putting that message on social media. Our whole problem outside of Christ is that God, the Father, hates the workers of iniquity. It's not that we hate God, it's that God hates the sinner. Every day. day. Thank you, brother. Every day. There's not a moment of your life on this earth apart from Christ. And this is why 2 Corinthians 5.21 ends that whole section by saying, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the message we have to preach. God's word is to be declared and proclaimed because it was manifested. And what is the message? He says at the end of verse 1, of the word of life, or concerning the word of life, concerning Christ, that very Son of God, whom we heard, John says, whom we saw, we watched, and we touched. This Jesus of Nazareth is none other than the Son of God. That's his message of the Gospel of John. His message here starts with that very thing, but it turns to what that means and what it means to us. He refers to him as the Word of Life. Here's the interesting thing about him. He is the life and he gives the life. He is what is life and he gives the life. That's why he's better. All those thousands 
and thousands of sacrifices made, never gave life. Ever. That's why the priest kept standing. But what did he do? He offered that sacrifice and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. This word of life, God disclosed himself. The word became flesh. In other words, the Son of God is the ultimate word. He has spoken to us in His Son, by His Son. And this is His message. God expressed Himself by becoming man, human flesh. This is what John insists upon time and time again. It's the essence of His message. Jesus Christ is the Word of Life. Let me show you, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 is a very amazing chapter to me. It was incredible how Luke presented this. I want you to notice some things. I'm not going to read it all, but just to quickly point out to you. So the women come to the tomb and they found, verse 2, the stone rolled away. They entered in, found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were more perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These are angels. And as they were afraid, they bowed their face to the earth. And the angel says, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember what, how, He spake unto you. In other words, remember what he said. Now what is it that is the word of God? What God said, right? This is the word of God. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. This is the word of God. What is the writer of Luke saying to us? He's saying the word. What does the word say? Now watch this. You know down in verse 13, the two going on the road to Emmaus, they're talking about the events. Here comes Christ. Um, He uh, steps into their conversation, asks them what's going on, and they look at him like he is from Mars. Just a little further out. And they say, what in the world do you mean? We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, this verse 19, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. We trusted that it had been he which would should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yes, and certain women... Also of our company made us astonished, which was early at the sepulcher, and they found not his body. In other words, they came back telling us he is risen from the dead. And what's Christ's response to this? Verse 25, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them 
in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Isn't that incredible? Go on down to verse 32. They said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us, what? The scriptures. How important is the word of God? Verse 34. Saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told uh, what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of the bread. And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Verse 37. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Now, you see, this is not some phantom. This is not some ghost. This is not some spirit. This is not some vision. This is Jesus Christ bodily resurrected. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands, my feet, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. And when he had said thus, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they yet not uh, believed not for joy. What? Even the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ did not bring faith. Isn't that incredible? You know, that's what Thomas said. If I can see him, if I can touch his hands, if I can put my hand in his side, then I'll believe. And that is foreign to faith in the Scripture. Let me show you what happens. Go down to verse 43. And he took this fish, and he took this honeycomb, verse 42, and he ate it before them. Physical. He said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you. The same thing that the angel said. What, what did he say? And if you go back and look, he, three times he preached and proclaimed his death, his resurrection. He told them. Look at what he does. How are they going to come to faith? While I was with, yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. What has he given them? The scriptures. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. When Lydia heard Paul on the beach, it was the Holy Spirit that opened her heart to understand what he was saying. The proclamation of the word of God. Not even the resurrected Lord brought faith. What brought faith is what God had said. You see why the word of God for the believer is the final authority? How important should the word of God be to us? Well, let me end for 1 John. He says in 1 John 3, 
that which we've seen and heard, 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also, this is in order that you might also have fellowship with us. Interesting thing about this word fellowship. It is not like friendship, like we think today. We can go have a cup of coffee with somebody. Uh, They might be a friend. But that is not fellowship. Fellowship is only by this kind of thing. It's like two men in the first century getting together and saying, you know what? Let's go be fishermen. And they buy a boat together and they have participation in this adventure to fish on the Sea of Galilee and make a living for their families. And doing that, they have to have the same vision. They have to have the same kind of thinking about how they're going to go about this fishing adventure, this business. So they have to share experiences together. They have to share commitment and value. All of that together in order that they might have the same working out. They have, to be t- they have to get up at the same time. Be in the boat at the same time every morning. Go through the ups and downs of business. That's fellowship. That's what the Lord has done with the one who has been the best friend I've ever had apart from my wife. Because we have had the same values, the same commitments, the same intense longing to preach the Word. That's all we want. And I can call him up and ask Russell, hey, what do you think about this? And he has the same thoughts. Like we're reading the same book. Isn't that amazing? All of this, John says, is that you might have the fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship, he says, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, I want you to have that. It's more than just fellowship and an adventure of business. It's even greater than that because it is adventure into having fellowship with God. Can you imagine such a depth? Such a height? Such a width of knowledge and communion and fellowship and participation with God Himself. That's what we have as we come together in fellowship. That's what makes it different than anything else. And then he says this last thing, and we'll close here. These things write we unto you. And there's a purpose in all of this. That your joy may be full. 
preachers, if we don't have that as our purpose, we're missing the mark. If you're not coming to hear the Word of God that your joy may be full, you're missing the mark. You're there for something else. So many people ask me, where should I go to church? What should I look for? I have three young children. Well, you know, you ought to get some place that has some contemporary music. No, I didn't say that. Maybe they ought to get a place that has these programs for their children. They can be around all other kind of children and just have a wonderful time at church. The Christian way, you know. No, I didn't tell them that either. You go to a church that preaches the Word. That's what you need. If that preacher is not going verse by verse by verse by verse through the books, you're not going to learn what that book says. And if you don't know what it says, you're never going to know what it means. And you'll never be able to truly apply that to your life. We've got everything turned upside down. We have, I'm talking about Christianity in general in, the, in America. How does this apply to me? What can I get out of this? You know the purpose for the believers coming together? This is it. This is not a time for unbelievers to come to Christ. It happens, but that's not what this is about. This is about you and I coming to worship the King of glory. And that music ought to reflect that, which this does. Our prayers ought to reflect that, which this does. And by all means, our preaching ought to reflect that. We have nothing else to say but the word of our God. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for the goodness of your word. We thank you for the joy that comes from being in fellowship with you, with the saints of God. Thank you that you have sought us out. More than that, you have predestined everything in our life according to your providence. More than that, you have chosen us before even the foundations of the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have said, this one is mine. What a glorious thing to contemplate that you are our God and we are your people. May we truly learn of you, open our understanding under your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.